think for a moment if you can identify what is held in common between these five saints. Saint Francis of Assisi, whom we all know, Saint Ignatius, the founder of the Jesuits, Saint Elizabeth of Hungary, a queen of the uh, late Middle Ages, and the two early, earliest American saints, Saint Elizabeth Ann Seton and Saint Catherine Drexel. All of them were brought up with great wealth, but then after encountering the Lord and experiencing a deep conversion and personal calling from him, they gave up all of their wealth to follow Christ, to give it to the poor, and to begin a new mission of service in their lives. And we could even, by extension, put St. Paul in this list, who gave up a position of great prestige to follow the Lord's call after his encounter with the resurrected Lord. And these are just six of thousands, if not millions, of saints and Christians throughout the ages who, after an encounter with the Lord and an experience of conversion and personally feeling called by him, are compelled to give up many worldly possessions and attachments. And so it's clear that there's some sort of inherent connection in the Christian life between encounter with Christ, conversion, and detaching from riches and material possessions. When we encounter eternity and our finitude in light of that, so many things in this world lose their value very quickly. In the gospel today, Jesus highlights the poor widow who, he said, contributed from her poverty all that she had, a few meager cents to the temple, in contrast to the, uh, the, the rich person who uh, gives from his surplus. And we know throughout the gospel that Jesus has a predilection for the poor and also in the life of the church, voluntary poverty is an evangelical counsel, one of the three that religious women and men profess along with chastity and obedience. An evangelical counsel is a, a sign of the kingdom of God present here on earth. So what about those of us who are maybe not materially poor? whether through involuntary circumstances or voluntary. Well, looking, out at, looking out at you now, I, I don't see any religious habits, so I know none of you here are poor uh, voluntarily, as in taking on the evangelical council. And for the sake of this homily, I might suggest that nobody here is really that materially poor either. Uh, relatively speaking to most people around the world, we are all pretty well off. And certainly in comparison to most 
human beings throughout human history, we all, even the poorest among us here in the United States, live pretty wealthy and comfortable lives in comparison. So if we're all rich in some way, what does this mean for us in following Christ? Well, here we can apply the wisdom of the church, what we call our sacramental view of the world. And this worldview, this lens through which we understand and interpret reality, says that material reality always points to a deeper spiritual reality. So just beginning with creation itself, the world, nature, is a, a sign of God's glory. Even our human bodies are a sign of the image of God that resides in our souls. And so material poverty can also be a sign of a deeper spiritual poverty. In the Gospels, Jesus' very first public teaching is the Sermon on the Mount. It begins in chapter 5 of Matthew's Gospel, also in Luke's Gospel. This is his first big public teaching before a huge crowd of thousands of people. And the very first teaching he gives in the Sermon on the Mount is the Beatitudes. And what is the first Beatitude? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So think about that. Jesus' first public teaching of the gospel is blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So to understand this, we need to keep in mind that poor in the Bible encompasses the whole person, materially, morally, spiritually. And throughout scripture, uh, the rich man, mentioned often in the Psalms, not only possesses material wealth, but he is proud of it, and he thinks himself superior to others. He's powerful, and he uses his authority for his own interests, even to the point of committing injustices. So ultimately, the rich man of Scripture thinks he is self-sufficient, he does not experience dependence on God, and he does not fear God. Being poor in spirit is the antithesis to all of that. All forms of poverty are meant to lead us to a deeper awareness of our primordial spiritual poverty, that we are creatures that we did not make ourselves. All that we have and are comes from another, and all will be taken away from us one day. And so the Christian life demands that our spirit of dependence on God be manifest tangibly in our daily lives. Otherwise, this idea of poverty of spirit would just be nothing more than a pious sentiment. 
And so one way of understanding this practically, what should this look like in my life, uh, is understanding the term stewardship, which has become uh, popular in recent years and decades in the church. Stewardship encompasses this idea that we are stewards of God. And so God has entrusted us with many things that belong to him, and he's counting on us not only to preserve them, but to multiply them, to let them bear fruit, and to offer them back to the Lord and to others as a gift. And so that's our calling all to be stewards of God's many gifts. And now to sort of bring this down to earth more practically, you might think, okay, what does that actually mean for my life? Uh, There's three words that capture stewardship that have uh, been used recently in the church, at least in the United States. It's the three T's, time, talent, and treasure. That is how we become stewards, by giving of our time, talent, and treasure to the church, to the upbuilding of the body of Christ. And all three of these things must be included. So I cannot just give a lot of money and say, okay, I don't need to now get my hands dirty and give of my precious time. I can make up for that by giving, by writing a big check. Or on the other hand, I cannot use giving my talents and time as an excuse not to give of my treasure. The story of the widow in the gospel shows just that. And by the way, in case you're not picking up what I'm putting down here, treasure, that's a euphemism for money. And so we all have to give of that. And so all of this uh, encapsulates stewardship and it has to be embraced not just as a solemn duty, which it is, it's one of the precepts of the church to be Catholic, we must be supporting the church, but it should be seen as a spirituality, as, as a way of life. And so to bring this even maybe more down to earth now, in case you're wondering, okay, I, I get that, give money, how much do I give? Well, that's a big question. Well, again, the Bible gives us guidance on this. Going all the way back to Abraham, the church has embraced that tradition going back all the way, thousands of years of tithing, where 10% of our income is taken off right away before we even see it or consider it, and that is given uh, to the church, to building up of the body of Christ. And that's challenging. It should be challenging. Giving 10% forces you, should force us to actually reconsider some of our finances, to actually think, am I living sacrificially? And is my trust in God actually manifest in these very concrete things that we often hold dear, as in my money, my time, my talents? Am I willing to entrust those to God? True conversion and charity necessarily demand continual self-sacrifice 
and self-denial. Charity that does not involve sacrifice and self-denial is not charity. Or to use the very famous words of, that Mother Teresa spoke in her address to the UN a couple decades ago, highly worth reading. She says, for love, charity to be authentic, we have to love until it hurts. Jesus is calling you and me to give like the poor widow, to give not from our surplus, but from our poverty, to live in total dependence on God, knowing I am nothing apart from God, and all that I have is a gift from his goodness. Thanks for listening to Within the Walls of St. Paul's Sunday Homilies. Please be sure to like us on Facebook and consider supporting us by visiting stpaulsharvardsquare.org. That's stpaulsharvardsquare.org. God bless and see you next time.